Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you all today. Why don't we start off a little bit differently? Why don't you turn around and greet somebody next to you? Tell them, say, what's a good-looking thing like you doing in a place like this? Amen. Shake hands with a couple folks. (laughs) Amen. Man, it's so good to see y'all today. Woo, was it cold this morning or what? I am ready. I'm officially ready, I think, for spring. I'm tired of these fake snowstorms. I get, get all hyped up, expecting something to happen. Then you get a little pixie dust in your driveway. I'm like, come on, man. I'm ready. I'm ready for springtime, I think, now. Anybody else ready for some warm weather? Yeah, me too. Me too. I like snow, but I've had enough of the, you know, we've had like four inches of snow a quarter inch at a time this year. So that's enough, I guess, for us, right? Good to see everybody today. Welcome. I want to jump back in uh, to what God has kind of been doing and saying so far this year about making room. And although I didn't really realize it when we started, it's kind of morphed into a series of messages that I kind of think is where the Holy Spirit wants us to flow right now. And I like that, don't you? I like just kind of going what the Spirit is trying to say to us right now. In week one, I talked about making room for the supernatural and how we needed to, you know, lay aside our agendas and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and in a deeper way in our church as well. Week two, I shared with you some practical, tangible ways we can make room. I don't know if you remember that or not. We talked about taking off the old and putting on the new, leaving closed doors closed, focusing on what was most important. And today I want to continue in that reign. I want to talk to you about this subject today, making room for the Holy Spirit. Making room for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Are you all ready to talk about that? Now, I'm not, I'm not going to talk so much about the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. That's a different subject. I want to talk more about us being sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our lives and allowing God to speak to us that way. Can we pray together today and ask God to speak to us? Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you today for your presence. I ask you, God, to let our hearts be open. Let the word be alive. Let it change us. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Let's go to Acts chapter 17, verse 24. Acts chapter 17, verse 24. It was so cold this morning, I figured today's a good day to wear a jacket. Amen. And now it's warm. It's a good time to take it off. (laughs) Acts 17, verse 24. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. He says, He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since He is Lord of heaven and earth, He doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve His needs, for He has no needs. He Himself gives life and breath to everything, and He satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations. Now, don't miss this because this is our purpose too. Are you ready? Right here it is. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Amen. Let's talk about making room for the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 17, we find the Apostle Paul has been preaching. In this chapter, if you read the whole chapter, he starts out in Thessalonica, then he goes to Berea, And now in the passage we just read, Paul is in Athens. 
He's speaking to some God-fearing Jews and some Greeks, but also he's talking to some philosophers who have been asking him questions about the God that he's been preaching about. After telling them about God, he said this about God's purpose and how he created us. And it was for us to seek after God, feel our way toward him, and to find him. And I think that is a question that is worthy of our consideration today. How do you and I make sure that we are making room in our lives for God to work? Amen? How do we make sure that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us? How do we develop a sensitivity to the presence of God working in our lives? You see, I think we would all quickly acknowledge that we are living in the midst of all kinds of chaos and confusion, aren't we? It's all around us. Sin in our culture and in our world, the need for us to work on our sensitivity to the Spirit of God is paramount. Our ability to, as Paul said, seek after Him, feel our weights toward Him, and to find Him. Because hear me, church, if we lose that ability or the availability to be touched and moved by the presence of God. If we lose that listening ear that is required in order to be able to stay near Him, we're no longer going to be able to fulfill what Jesus meant when He said, My sheep hear my voice. See, I don't want to just be one of His sheep. I want to be one of His sheep that hear His voice. Can you say amen to that? See, if we ever needed to work on our sensitivity to the presence of God, surely the days that we are living in right now qualify. Paul said in Acts chapter 17 how people were to feel after God. That word feel comes from a Greek Greek word which means to verify by contact, to search for or to handle or to touch. I believe that every time we gather in church, we should be able to what? Verify by contact the presence of God in this place. Amen. Come on, I'm just going to tell you what I think. I think every time you come to church, you ought to feel the presence of God when you walk through the door, when they start singing their songs. Come on, somebody. The first time they hit a note on an instrument, we ought to sense the presence of God in this house because the Bible says he inhabits the praise of his people. Matter of fact, why can we give him a praise right now? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. It is important that we appreciate the touch of God when we have searched for Him and, 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 and touched Him. What a great experience it is to come into God's presence and to be able to do that. See, we've got to guard that sensitivity. We've got to make room for the Holy Spirit to operate. If not, what are we doing here? Think about it. If we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work, what is it that we're trying to accomplish? Amen. We need to be excited about the external agent of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. And in order for us to be truly sensitive to the Spirit, we've got to be careful not to become numb to the joy and the peace and the power of God that is in operation around us and in us. See, folks, I believe we don't just want to be mildly responsive or lukewarm or hard-hearted or sluggish or cold in our response to the presence of God. There is too much of that, I think you would agree with me, among the body of Christ where we are quenching the Spirit and we can't afford to allow that to happen in our lives. One definition for sensitivity refers to the degree to which a radio receiving set responds to incoming waves. Having sensitivity to God's Spirit is like being a radio receiver, responding to the incoming wave of God's Spirit. Now, most people don't buy radios or stereos anymore, do they? Instead, today, you know, we've all got our smartphones and we've got these little boom boxes, we've got these little speakers, we've got these Bluetooth speakers, and I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm absolutely blown away by how much sound I can get out of my little speaker that's not much bigger than my hand. But how many of you older folks know and can testify it wasn't always that way? (laughs) I remember when I was a teenager, and I'm going to date myself now, one of my favorite stores to go to, and if anybody can, when I say the name of this place, if you can identify, just shout amen. I love me some Circuit City. 
Come on, boomers, let me hear you. Amen. <laughs> Come on, 40 years old, 50 years let me hear you. Circuit City. Man, when I was a teenager, I would head straight into the automotive stereo section. And I would be mesmerized by the wall of Pioneer. Let me hear the Pioneer people in the house. The JVC, amen, the Sony, come on. I would be amazed at the car stereos, and I could stand there for hours wishing, wanting, hoping, and see the amps and imagine all the noise I could make in my car. And then I graduated from the, 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 the car stereos, and I got married, and then I went to the home audio section. And can I just tell you, my wife let me buy a stereo system. And when I tell you the speakers, they were as big as she was. I'm not exaggerating. Two speakers, they were this tall, they were this wide, they were this deep. Two of them. I had a nice glass rack for my components. Are you ready? The tape deck. The equalizer. The amplifier. And who can forget the record player, amen? That thing took up an entire wall of our two-bedroom apartment on Azalea Avenue, amen? Come on, I couldn't, I couldn't afford a safe apartment complex, but I had a set of stereo speakers that can make your ears bleed and your chest rattle, amen? Here's what I knew as a young man. If you buy a cheap receiver, you're not going to receive the fullness of the signal. And I wonder, I just wonder how many of us, our, our sensitivity has been cheapened because we've tried to take shortcuts in our relationship with Jesus. What we've done is we've failed to guard the sensitivity and making room for the Holy Spirit in our lives, amen? You see, most of us, we understand that, uh, that all around us, there's a lot of stuff going on in our world, but I think it's also sad that many Christians, we have fallen prey to the devil's intentional plot of desensitizing us to the Spirit of God. See, my question is, what kind of believer or what kind of receiver or what kind of sensitivity do you want to have and do you want to have in the last days that we're in right now? See, I'm afraid that there's a lot of Christians that even though they love Jesus, we've become insensitive or even non-reactive to the presence of God among us. See, why is it that so many people want to take the emotional element out of serving God? I'm, I want to just talk about this for a minute, amen? I think it's important that we understand. You don't want to just take all of that away from serving the Lord, amen? As a believer, let me encourage you, don't lose your ability to laugh or to cry or to shout or to pray quietly or to clap your hands or to dance, come on, or to pray in the Spirit. We need to be connected to the flow of what the Spirit of God is trying to do to us and in us, Amen? You show me a relationship with no emotion, I will show you a relationship with no passion that is inevitably going to die. And I'm afraid that many of us, we have lost the ability to tap into that sensitivity of the presence of God. And we need to seek after that. Acts 17 and 27, they forgot. It said to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. And don't miss this part, even though He was not far from many of us, He's there but we've got to continue to seek after Him and long for Him and stretch out our hands toward Him and find Him. See, is it possible that we have extinguished the fire of the Spirit so that we no longer know how to respond? Have we forgotten how to make room for His presence in our lives? Is it possible that our emotional response has diminished to the stimulus of God's presence when we used to be so moved by it? Can I say this as a church? Have we become so seeker sensitive that we've lost our spirit sensitivity? 
I'm just going to say it. Are we so worried about offending people with our worship and our praise? Come on, somebody. And, and our expressions that we've lost the ability and maybe we're offending God by our lack of response. He inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. It's interesting to note that John the Baptist's response when he was still a baby in his mother's womb, when Mary came into the room pregnant with Jesus. Amen? If you read the story, the Bible says that John the Baptist leaped in his mother's room when Jesus came into his presence. Amen? That baby who was one day going to be the prophet, amen, was responding to a spiritual stimulus in his presence. He was emotionally sensitive. He was excited by the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you right now, if John can leap in the womb of Elizabeth, but when the presence of God comes into the, this place, some of us need to get our leap back. Come on, some of you need to get your praise back. Come on, some of you need to get your voice back, your song back, your shout back. Amen. We've got to be able to respond to the Spirit of God. So how do we do that? How do we maintain a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit? I want to quickly just share a few ways, give you a few steps of how you can be sensitive to the Spirit of God at work in your life. Are you ready? Here's number one. First, you have to develop an ear to hear. you got to develop an ear to hear. Mark chapter 4 and verse 9 said this. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Jesus speaks to the people as he is teaching them. He said, he that hath an ear, let him hear. The Greek word for hear means to give an audience to or to understand. See, when we really have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us and breathing into us, we will not only hear what he is saying, but we will begin to understand what he is saying. How many of you married people know, and you don't have to raise your hands, we've all done it, we've all been guilty. How many of you have been guilty of hearing but not listening? I know I have one hand, two hands, one foot, ten toes, ten fingers, amen. Guilty. Guilty as charged. Hearing but not listening. Hearing but not understanding, right? There's an interesting scripture in Luke, Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Notice what it says. It says, pay attention to how you hear. Pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, check this out, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. See, Jesus is saying, give us, and giving us an admonition about we need to develop a sensitive ear. He said we need to pay attention, or in some verses he said, take heed to how you hear. The NIV said it this way, carefully, uh, consider carefully how you listen. Jesus was telling us to be concerned, to care, and to consider how it is. Here's that verse, Luke 8, 18 from the Amplified Bible. Check this out. It says, so be careful how you listen, for whoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given, and whoever does not have a longing for the truth, even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. So here's my question. Do you have a teachable heart, and are you longing for truth? Do you have a teachable heart? It says, those who have a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given, more revelation, more anointing. Amen. Are you open and are you teachable? Just as a side note, let me ask you this. Do you have a teachable heart when the word of God is being preached? Do you allow God's spirit to prick your heart and inspire you to change? Do you have a teachable heart? Are you open to spiritual leadership or maybe godly mentors in your life that you trust speaking into your life, whether it be an encouraging word or, can I say it, even a gentle rebuke? And by the way, let me just digress and say this right here. Don't you just let any old body speak into your life. Come on, some of y'all listening to the wrong voices. You listen to people that don't know what they're talking about. They don't understand the Word of God. They don't understand the operation of the gifts. You need to make sure you're listening to somebody who can speak into your life with truth and with power and with authority. Can the church say amen? amen. Just because they walk like a duck don't mean they're a duck. Amen? Are you listening to the right people? Are you teachable? People who are not teachable 
are not making room for the Holy Spirit because I promise you, I don't care how old you are or how long you've been serving the Lord, hear me, God is constantly trying to teach us something new every day of our lives. Come on, I am 55 years old and God is speaking to me just as much as he did when I first found him at the age of 15, amen. God still is speaking new things and sharing new light and new revelation. Come on, you need to be hungry for God to be speaking to you in your life. People say, well, I wasn't raised that way. Well, maybe God is trying to teach you something new, amen. Some people might say, well, my old church didn't do it that way. Well, respectfully, you ain't at your old church anymore. Amen? Amen. People say, well, I'm always going to be that way. I'm just wired that way. Your wiring might just be a stronghold. Come on, somebody. That the Holy Ghost wants to help you untangle so your mind can be renewed and you can put on the mind of Christ. Can I just tell you, I think sometimes too many of us just give up. We say, oh, I'm always going to be this way. This is who I am. This is what I am. No, the Bible says you can become a new creature in Christ. Amen. But you've got to be listening to the Spirit. Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Whoever does not have a longing for truth, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away from him. We all know some people who used to be strong in the Lord, and now they're just a shell of what they used to be, don't we? Or maybe they've even backslidden away from God. They don't serve Him at all anymore. What happened? They stopped longing for truth. They stopped wanting more of God in their lives. See, and if we're not careful how we're listening, if I'm not gaining spiritual knowledge, what knowledge I do have or what I think I have, it might start ebbing away from me in my life. Therefore, the only way to assure myself of continued growth in the Spirit, and Romans 8.14 says it, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. you got to be led by the Spirit in order to be a son of God. It's one of the qualifications. Here are the words of Jesus, Matthew 13, 15 through 16. He said, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and in turn, I would heal them. So we've got to develop an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. People's hearts in this hour have become callous to so many things. And you want to know why? They've stopped hearing what the Spirit of God says. Now, I don't want to talk about a whole bunch of issues right now today. I won't go down that road. But they're all around us. People are so confused. They're confused about their biology. They're confused about their sexuality. Come on. They're confused about all kinds of issues. They're confused about God. They're confused about how to educate their children. We're confused. You know why? We've stopped listening to the Spirit of God. We've stopped listening to the Spirit. We've got to get back to the Word of God. When you read Revelations chapter 2 and 3, it gives you an insight into what God was saying to the, the, the seven churches of the New Testament churches. Every case, he ended his admonition and encouraged with them with these words. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to you in your life and to me in my life. So the first thing we need to do, we need to develop an ear to hear. Here's the second thing you, we got to do if we want to walk in the Spirit. Are you ready? Learn submission and obedience. Amen. It's awful quiet when you drop those two words, right? Nobody likes those words. In our text, verse 27, it says we're to feel our way toward God and seek after Him. But it only comes when we learn to submit ourselves to the Lord. And hear me, everybody is submitted to something. That's what the Bible says. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Amen. Thank God once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we are giving you. How many former slaves to sin are in this house today? Come on, amen. 
Verse 18 says, now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. And because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now, now notice what it says. You must give yourselves. That's submission. You must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. Amen. See, if we want the Holy Spirit to operate in our lives, folks, there's no shortcut around submission and obedience to God. There's no shortcut. The Bible says we give ourselves to be slaves of righteous living. That word yield or present is used three times in those three verses. It means we're to present ourselves or to come before the Lord or to stand before the Lord. These words tell us we've got to be willing to submit ourselves to Him. The Amplified Bible says we've got to continually surrender ourselves. How many of you know you don't surrender one time and it's all done? Woo, man, wouldn't it be nice if it was that easy? How many of you know some days you wake up and you can already tell in the morning, this is going to be one of them days. (laughs) This is going to be one of them days. I feel it. And you know what it is? It's the flesh. It's the world pressing in on us. It's coming in, and we've got to say, God, I've got to submit myself to you again today. I've got to submit myself to you again today. Because our nature is to rebel. Our nature is to withstand. Our nature is to resist. But God is telling us here, if we continually to surrender ourselves, we will become holy and righteous and pleasing to Him. Listen to the words of Scripture, Psalm 32 and verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. God says, if you'll just let me, I'll teach you. If you'll just let me, I'll lead you, I'll guide you, I'll instruct you. But then look what he also says in verse 9. Don't be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding but what must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Don't raise your hands. How many of you have kids that at some phase of their life, they were bit and bridle kids? <laughs> you know what that's like. They, whatever you ask them to do, they're not going to want to do, but you got you to pull out the old bit and bridle. Can I just tell you right now, don't be a bit and bridle Christian. Don't be a bit and bridle Christian, because I'm going to tell you something else, and you may like this, you may not like this. I am not going to be a bit and bridle pastor. Thank you. I'm not following you to your job to see if you're cussing. I'm not following you to the restaurant to see if you're drinking. I'm not going with you to the mall to see what you're buying. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to look at your playlist and see what you're listening to. I'm not going to pull up your Netflix account and see what you're watching. I'm not going to do that. I'm not the holiness police in your life. Because let me tell you what's wrong with that. As soon as the holiness cop leaves your life, you fall back into this mess you were in before. But if you're going to love Jesus, you got to lay aside the bit and the bridle and say, God, I don't want you to yank me where I need to go. I don't want you to force me where I need to go. God, I want to love you enough to walk in the path of obedience. Can I, can I just say this? A lot of Christians have made the word holiness a dirty word. We've made holiness become a list of all the things you can do, you can't do. The things you can say and you can't say. The things you should wear, the things you should not wear. The way you should talk and you should. It's become a list of rules. When holiness is simply our pursuit of God and our love of Jesus and becoming more like Him. We've got to fall in love with holiness, fall in love with righteousness. And when you mess up, you get up, amen. Come on. When you do something wrong, you say, God, forgive me. I want to be more like you. I'm trying to listen to your direction in my life. Is this making sense to anybody here today? Come on, don't live by the bit and bridle. Live by a love for Jesus. Submit and obey. Develop an ear to hear. Learn submission and obedience because it's an everyday thing. You got to get back and do it every day. And then number three, here it is. If you want to walk in the Spirit, depend on the Lord. You may say, oh, Pastor, we already know that. We know that. Yeah, we know that. 
But do we do that? We do that when it's not challenged, right? Walking by faith is easy until you come into an obstacle. Saying you depend on the Lord is really easy until you actually have to depend on Him. Amen? See, not only do we need to hear, not only do we need to obey, but we need to learn to trust and depend on the Lord. Faith. I believe that in order to be more anointed and blessed and sensitive, we've got to be more reliant on the Holy Spirit. Depending on the Lord and not just on ourselves in an area that we need. It's an area we need to develop in all of our lives. Dependence means I am subject to the jurisdiction of the Holy Spirit. I'm subject to His authority in my life. I am literally relying on Him for support. I am recognizing what Jesus said in John 15 and 5 is true. For without me, you can do nothing. Amen. Without Him, we can do nothing. Depth in the Spirit and being used of God cannot be found in being independent and standing on my own, but by trusting and leaning completely on Him. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, ever since I've been serving the Lord, it's Proverbs 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Look at that same verse from the Amplified. I love it. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. If you would just live by that one verse, if I would just live by that one verse, trust in Him and not in me. Trust in His ways and not my own insight. Amen. Trust in His revelation and not my own understanding. See, we need to seek God for His direction and lead. And I'm going to tell you, I think you need to seek God in every area of your life. God, do you want me to take that job? God, do you want me to buy that car? God, do you want me to do this? God, do you, do you want me to date that person? Do you want me to marry that person? God, what do you want me to do? We need to seek God. See, so many times we've already got our mind made up, right? Before we say, well, and by the way, Lord, I hope you'll bless this. <laughs> you see, we don't want God to bless what we're doing. We want to do what God is blessing. Amen. We need to seek God for his direction. See, I wonder how many hassles or difficult situations are in our lives because we fail to be dependent on the Lord and instead we trust it in our own talents and abilities. I believe that there's two big enemies in developing dependency, two aspects of our carnality that resist depending on and leaning on the Lord. You know what they are? Number one, I think the first enemy is fear. Everybody say fear. A fear of failure a fear that God won't come through. And folks, these are basically just a lack of faith, not believing that God's going to come through. That fear strips us of our ability to trust. And the other enemy is pride. And you know what? Pride even makes it hard to say it's pride, <laughs> right? But our pride gets in the way of depending on the Lord because our flesh wants the glory. Our flesh wants the credit. We want to feel like we did it our way. Pride always stands in the way of submission and obedience. Amen. Have you ever seen or been around a strong-willed child? Of course you have. Man, that, they, they just straighten up that back and they fold those arms. And man, they're just standing there and they're resisting. It's that pride. It's that self-will rising up. And sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing the same thing to Jesus. He says, I want you to do this. And we're like, oh. And we just, it rises up within us, amen. And we have to submit ourselves to God instead. Ask the Lord to lead you. Ask him to guide you. Learn to depend on him. Develop an ear to hear. Number two, learn submission and obedience. Number three, depend on the Lord. And I want to lump the last two together into one because they really go together. Are you ready? Number four and five, more responsiveness less resistance. More responsiveness, less resistance. See, the word response can be defined as something constituting a reply or a reaction. It's interesting that a synonym for responsiveness is sensitivity. Amen. Being sensitive. Again, when John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb, when he, when he heard his mother greet Mary, who was carrying Jesus in her womb. Man, what a classic example of responding to the presence of God that was around him. John inside Elizabeth responded to Jesus inside of Mary. So my question is, is there something inside of us 
that ought to respond when we get in the presence of God. Amen? The Holy Spirit should bear witness with the presence of God in us. See, the Apostle Peter, <coughs> he was often criticized for his impetuousness, but yet he never lost his ability to respond. Amen. Matthew 14, 28, Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. He asks him, hey, is it really you, Lord? Yeah, it is. Well, if it's really you, ask me to come out on the water and join you. Jesus says, come on. You know what Jesus, Peter did? Bam. Out the boat he went. Walking on the water. Folks, that's responsiveness. <laughs> now, did he start sinking? Yeah, amen. But thank God he responded. Nobody else got out of the boat, amen. He got a little worried. It's okay. Can I just tell you, it's okay to sink. Just get out of the boat. Sometimes you just got to get out of the boat. You need to exercise your faith. Put your trust in God. Years ago, Reverend Cleveland Becton told a story about a preacher. True story. That was driving down the road in the country when suddenly God said to that preacher, he said, I want you to stop right here, right now, face the woods this direction and begin to preach. He's out on the country road. So the preacher stopped, he got out of the car, and he began to preach toward the direction of the woods. Now, Brother Beckley didn't say this, but I can imagine if it was me, I would have got out and looked around to see if anybody else was looking. <laughs> that would have been number two pride, right? I'd be like, oh, man, people going to think I'm crazy. Nope, he got out and he began preaching in the direction of the woods. He didn't understand why. But he did what he felt like the Spirit was saying to him. And when he was done, he got back in his car and he drove off. Seven months later, a stranger comes into one of his church services. And afterwards, he began to tell the preacher that months before, he was destitute, he was broken, he was a backslider, and he was hiding underneath a culvert under a road when a man stopped and started preaching in his direction. <laughs> you can't make this up, folks. And when that preacher started to preach, the guy told him, he said, everything that was going on in my mind was preached to me. And it caused me to turn my heart back to God. And that night, in that service, service that man received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> what if? The preacher had argued and debated with God. What if he had stopped, but he stopped a half mile later than he should have? What if he would have just missed that opportunity altogether? I don't know how that story would have ended, but because the preacher had developed a responsiveness and a sensitivity, and they go hand in hand, folks, he was able to be obedient on the spot, and fulfill a mission that God had for him, even though he did not understand. I didn't say this in the first service, but I feel to say this right now. God is trying to develop some of you to hear his voice this year so you can speak into people's lives right on the spot. Come on, I'm, I'm I don't know who you are. God is going to take you to a deeper level. He's going to take you to a deeper place where you can make an impact in the people that are in your life, that they're put there for a purpose, they're put there for a reason. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And God wants you to learn to listen to His voice. And if you believe that, I want you to receive that word right now. Come on. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. God, we're ready. We want to be sensitive to Your Spirit. Come on. We've become so programmed in our services. We've become so programmed in our lives that we've tuned out the Holy Spirit divine moment and we need to let it back in. I want the praise team and the musicians to come right now. What is your responsiveness to the still small voice of God in your life? What is your responsiveness to a sermon that moves you with conviction? Can I tell you this, and I don't mean this boastfully because I'm preaching, but I believe this when I was a teenager. I believe every single time you come to church, the Holy Spirit is going to speak something to your life if you will only listen to the Word of God. Come on, somebody. Every single time, there's something to respond to. How do you respond to an altar call? 
By the way, are you glad that you're in a church that still has altar calls? Amen. Come on. How do you respond to when God is calling on you? Do you pray? Do you stand and watch? Do you leave? How do you respond? How do you respond in your own life to a prompting to prayer or prompting to worship? You might just be sitting in your car driving down the road and all of a sudden God plants somebody in your mind. I'm going to tell you right now, I've learned every time he does that, I know he wants me to either pray for him or call him. Amen? And I've learned, man, I just, I, I, I don't even question it anymore. I just do it. And you know what? You might say, well, I've done that before. Nothing happened. How do you know what happens to a seed that you put in the ground? Come on. How do you know what happens to a seed that's been planted? Maybe you plant it. Somebody else comes along and waters it. And guess what? God gives the increase. We just need to do what he's calling us to do. How do you respond to a need that you see around you? Do you ignore it or do you act upon it? I know we can't respond to every single need, but there's sometimes that God says, hey, I put you here for you to respond. Sometimes that's how God works. But we've got to learn to be sensitive to his spirit. And have you ever noticed that people who respond when called on are more likely to be called on again and again. Every one of us, we have people in our life that we know no matter what happens, if I call them, they're going to say yes. I, there's people in this room, I, I won't embarrass them, but there's people in this room, I know it doesn't matter what time I call, doesn't matter what I would ask, they would drop what they were doing and they would come and they would be there. I have developed that kind of relationship with them and I trust them. And did you know, I believe God is looking for those kind of people to be his hands and his feet. The kind of people to where when he says, hey, I need you to do this. Would you do this? Yes, Lord. Here am I, send me. I want to hear you. I want to respond to you. I want you to be able to trust me, Father. But we've also got to not just respond. We have to have less Resistance. Everybody say less resistance. In electricity, there's a word called ohms, which is simply a measurement of resistance within a conductor or within a wire. There's a resistance to the flow of electrons in that wire, and they measure it by the term ohms. John chapter 7 and verse 38 says, He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But did you know that sometimes there's this stuff in our lives that cut off the flow? Anybody had their fill of cheap water hoses? <laughs> you know the kind. Man, no matter what happens, you pull them three feet and they get all knotted up. They, they get a kink in them and no water comes out. And you're constantly having to flip them around and flip them around and flip them around. I just discovered this gray water hose and it wads up. You can wad it up and no matter what you do to it, man, no kinks. I'm like, Jesus, thank you. I wish I'd have discovered this years ago. I don't care what it costs, God. This is my water hose. You know what? Because I love it when you go to turn the water on and there's nothing that kinks the flow. And I want to be that kind of believer. God, when you're ready to turn the water on, when you're ready for the river to flow, God, I don't want anything, none of my carnality, none of my lack of faith, none of my pride, none of my independence, God. I don't want any of my preconceived, I don't want anything to cut off the flow, God. I want you to just use me as a vessel. Use me as a vessel. I want you to stand all over this house. The carnality that we carry it increases our resistance, our prayerlessness, our faithlessness, our bitterness, whatever it is, the hurts. All of these things create spiritual resistance. But this year, God, I want to eliminate anything that keeps me from flowing in the Holy Ghost. See, it's not always easy to eliminate spiritual resistance in our lives, is it? Sometimes it takes fasting. Sometimes it takes prayer. 
Sometimes it takes worship. Sometimes it takes humbling ourselves. Sometimes it takes repenting. Sometimes it takes changing our playlist. Amen. Sometimes it takes getting into the Word of God. Sometimes it takes submission to God and getting ourselves out of the way. But God, I want to be sensitive to you. I want to hear your voice. Because folks, I'm going to tell you, it's not the will of God for you to just to come to church and nothing happen in your life. That's not the kind of God that we serve, amen. Let me tell you about my Jesus. The song they're getting ready to sing, amen. Romans chapter 8 verse 13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And that's what I want to do today. I want to put to death the misdeeds of my body, and I want to live by the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. Because as verse 14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So I want to ask you right now, how do you respond? We're talking about responsive to the Spirit. How do you respond to a word from God? How do you respond? You just act on it. We're going to open up this altar right now. The praise team is going to begin to sing. Now, I know you can pray right where you are, but I think there's something special about just stepping out. It's a way of saying I'm making a commitment and walking down and saying, God, I want to respond to you. I want to develop an ear to hear, God. I want to learn to submit. I want to learn he to obey, God. Whatever I got to do, God, I'm ready with it. Would you come? Come on, would you join me in this altar, God? I want to get rid of anything that comes on the phone. I want to get rid of I want to walk with you, God. I want to know you. I want to operate in the spirit, God, not in the flesh. Yes, God, I'm hungry. I'm hungry.
supernatural in your life. Don't be afraid of it, amen. This whole thing about Christianity is a spiritual thing anyway, right? It's a walk by faith. It's a belief in a creator. It's a belief in a spiritual power. And why not let that operate in us and through us? Father, my prayer today, God, is that we can be a church that you can trust. That we can be believers that you can trust, God. Even though we know we're going to stumble and fall and make mistakes, God, we want you to know we're committed to getting back up. We are your hands. We are your feet. Use us for your glory. God, I want to be sensitive to your voice. I want to be sensitive to your spirit when you're talking to me, when you're working in my life, God. God, I want to be quick to repent. I want to be slow to be angry, God. I want to be quick to worship you and give you my praise, give you my best. God, I want to be a slave to righteousness and holiness. I want to pursue you and serve you with all of my heart. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Why don't we give him a hand praise, amen, everybody? Come on. Yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I bless you, Jesus. I bless you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. We're going to keep in this flow next week. I hope to see you Wednesday night for First Wednesday Prayer. Every first Wednesday of the month, we have one hour of prayer. We have worship. We have the Word. We take communion, and we pray for one hour. I hope to see you at 7 o'clock Wednesday night. God bless you. Have a great day in the house of the Lord. It's so good to see you today. Amen.